0: It's time for a eye Palace Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Shamhay, Urbana, where we talk all things eye along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com now here are your hosts lauren tate and steve kelly
1: good morning everybody and welcome to the program a lot i pedal saturday sports talk with you until 11 o'clock this morning plenty to talk about today mr tate how you doing good morning in from the golf course <laughs> and on the air and then maybe back to the golf course so a day like this. I don't know what your it's plans gonna are. It's going to get hot
2: this week and it's going to be rainy this coming week. you see that?
1: I did see that. And uh, the area is a little bit dry, so I guess we could use the rain if uh, they could figure out how to have that overnight so it didn't uh, involve uh, daytime well, 50% activities.
2: 50% rain means you got 50% chance no rain.
1: Exactly. I like those odds. I'll take those odds. Baseball action late last night, in case you missed it. The Giants beat the Cubs 8-6 to earlier in the evening. Uh, the Reds beat the Cardinals 6-4. to The White Sox won a thriller, 9-8 to over the uh, Tigers. Those are your local baseball scores. So the National League Central now, the Cubs with a one-game lead, but it's not over the Cardinals. That's over Milwaukee moving yeah, into second Cardinals place. It's a
2: game and a half out, which is pretty good considering how poorly they've played. And, you know, hitting-wise and, and then uh, losing a pitcher seems like you, you worry. You don't worry about whether the pitcher can go uh, six innings. You worry if I, if he can last without getting hurt.
1: Cardinals have so many guys uh, down, no doubt about it. And you, you were talking about uh, Jake Arietta who gave up six runs in the, the second inning. I said, that's nothing. The Cardinals could give up 11 in the first <laughs> inning, <laughs> like, like right. they did against the uh, Dodgers earlier in the week. But uh, so the, both those teams lost, and then Milwaukee moves into second place a game back. The Cardinals are a game and a half back. The White Sox have a four-game lead over Cleveland in the American League Central. So uh, those teams, the Reds and the Cardinals, the Cubs and the Giants, and the White Sox and the Tigers, all scheduled to play again today. Mike Epstein, Bob Osmussen reports this morning, is uh, headed back to the University of Illinois to join the running backs room and add to the depth of that position.
2: Yeah, and... uh it looks to me like and this is just a kind of a guess that you've got f- about five guys that are all relatively is that fair relatively yeah. equal? I mean, I don't know who is the the best one. I mean, I assume because he, you know, based on last season that uh, Chase Brown would be uh maybe, <laughs> but uh what do you think?
1: I think so and then uh, Chase Hayden who is coming in as a yeah. transfer yeah. is a guy that's and pretty And you got love
2: it. coming up strong and then yeah. you got Epstein coming back, so I don't know. And you got Jakari. I just don't know. I don't know that it, they say it's a strong position, but there are better running backs in the league, but maybe no, no uh, group that's deeper. Uh, and I think you need depth at that position because it is a dangerous position. When you carry the ball a lot, uh, guys get bumps and bruises.
1: Illinois still not getting much love around the uh, country as far as preseason uh, oh, no. predictions go and odds to win this or that.
2: You know, uh, I just – kind of read stuff about uh, Nebraska because I, we play Illinois plays them first and it's week zero and everybody's going to be watching that game. The thought of lose of them losing to Illinois is the furthest thing from their mind. There's not even a consideration that they might lose that game there. They're starting a hundred and fifty one million dollar uh, facility right now, right at the end of the of the pandemic, right when they're everybody's uh, in uh, trouble financially. Every Athletic Department, but they can raise hundred and fifty million dollars to, to do this. And I just bring it up because it's just one more aspect of Nebraska and football that is still the number one thing there and they expect to win, even though for the last three, four years they've had a terrible time with frost.
1: Yep. You know, I predicted to add or near the bottom in the in the Big Ten by some of the so called experts across the country. So we'll find out. We'll find out a lot in that first game when yeah. The, gambling, comes
2: in. Uh, uh, the uh, DraftKings, I think, had them uh, 14th out yes, of 14. They did. That's scary because those people are making the judgment based on money. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if they make bad decisions, they, they might not make as much money as they would otherwise. And uh, Illinois is just gets no respect. And I tried to write a column about that this week, about how much Illinois uh, gets respect for their golf program. but. Not for their football program, even when you bring back 21 seniors plus uh, Epstein now. Right. Uh, I don't think he counts as a super senior, though. He's got two years of eligibility, actually, because of injuries in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of Illinois golf, Mike Small, one of our guests coming up in the second hour of the program. Our first guest today is our friend Mike Kuhn, who... You are familiar with probably the voice of the Illini Women's Basketball Program, also works for Visit Champaign County as a uh, sports director there. Mike, good morning. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. How about you guys?
1: Good. We wanted to chat with you because you're such a big Indy 500 fan. You had made uh, just last week, what was your 29th visit to the uh, Indy race?
3: That is true, yes.
1: Well, tell me about your experience. You don't just go over for the race and come back, do you? You you, you make a few day uh, event out of it.
3: Well, I certainly did this year. We went over on Thursday, and you know normally on uh, Friday, uh, Carb Day is, is more of a bigger day at the track. Uh, you know, two hour practice, uh, the Indy Lights race, uh, pit stop competition, concert, but all except the practice was wiped out this year, and uh, then. It was rainy and cold on Carb Day, so uh, they cut the practice short. But, uh, yeah, it's normally uh, it's a week-long uh, event in Indianapolis.
1: Were you a fan of this race uh, as a kid? Obviously, you must have been.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, You know, like many people, you can kind of date yourself. Before 1986, the race was not live on the, uh, on the radio. And uh, so, or it wasn't live on TV, and so I got my um, fill listening to it on the radio. Uh, I've got about five or six of the early races from the early '80s that I still have on cassette, and you know, used to listen to it. Uh, you know, the first race that I remember from uh, goes back to like 1981 uh, when Bobby Unser uh, won the controversial race, and then of course in '82 when uh, Gordon Johncock and Rick Mears uh, went. Uh, toe-to-toe, and, you know, that was an era where there may be only three or four uh, cars finish on the lead lap, uh, and so to see a duel down to the end was certainly unheard of. You know, this year's race, uh, 22 cars finished on the lead lap, so it's a much different era than uh, when I first started following the Indy 500.
2: <clears throat> uh, Mike, I, um, I, I began watching this uh, race. When I was working in Hammond, Indiana, I'd go into Chicago to a to a movie theater, and you had to pay. I don't know. It was pretty, maybe it's pretty expensive at the time. Maybe close to fifteen or twenty dollars, and uh, sit there and watch the whole race in, in a movie theater. Did you did you know about that? That goes way back into the into the nineteen sixties.
3: Yeah, no, that's kind of the way it was, and you know, it wasn't until I think the early sixties when ABC picked it up and and actually showed it on. Uh, Wide World of Sports on Sunday night. They, they condensed it down to two hours. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the the, the uh, people that started following the Indy 500, they all have stories of how they got into it. But certainly, you know, tickets have, and uh, traditions have been passed down from generation to generation. and It's one of those – I mean, I, I look at the Indy 500 – and the Kentucky Derby and the Masters as three of the Americana events. You know, they're, they're at the same location. There's so, so many traditions in those three events um, in the United States.
2: Yeah, just coming out of the winter. You know, I mean, they're all in the spring, and, and uh, you know, it just kind of indicates that, uh, you know, good weather's coming. Uh, That's true. Uh, what'd you have, 135,000 people there, is that Correct.
3: That's what they say. Yeah, it looked yeah. a lot fuller than that. Yeah, sure it did. I, a lot fuller than that there.
2: I bring it up because today we just got a notification that uh, that uh, the White Sox and Cubs are going to have uh, full uh, attendance, which leads me to assume uh, that Illinois, by the time football rolls around here, will also be able to sell all the tickets that they can sell in Memorial Stadium, which is which is important because. We want to see fans coming back. And it sounds to me like we're pretty much on that uh, track, don't you think?
3: I think so. I mean, I think the, the, the one question that will be interesting is just to see how quickly people get back into uh, that sense of normalcy that you don't mind being in a crowd like that. I mean, I think there's a certain population that cert- is ready for that. There's probably other people that are maybe a little wary about it. But I, I would be uh, very surprised to not see from here on out full crowds and, and, you know, kind of in 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 some sense and an into uh, the pandemic as we know it. Certainly the uh, COVID-19 is not going away, but I think in terms of the effect that it has on limiting crowds, I think it's uh, it's coming to an end.
1: Talking to Mike Coon just two days ago, I entered my name in the Masters 2022 ticket lottery. Um, There's no way you can get tickets or at least a the only way that I know of. How tough a ticket is the Indy 500, and was it tough for you to get started on that uh, 29 years ago to get your first uh, ticket?
3: Yeah, you know, it, it was, actually. You know, It was a time that, uh, and, and they never tell you exactly how many people are there, but they recommended when we first uh, ordered tickets in 1992 that the only place that you could really have a chance to get a seat was in the backstretch. They had bleachers on the backstretch, and so I remember getting the notification that I actually – Got the ticket. Um, you know that was an exciting day for me, um, and you know it's not so much anymore. Uh, there's at least uh, some tickets available. This was only the second time. You know, as I mentioned, that the uh, the uh, uh, race is live on TV, but it isn't in Indianapolis. It's blacked out uh, unless that there all the tickets are sold. And, and uh, so in 2016 at their centennial, every ticket was sold. And this year, obviously a limited number, 135,000, every ticket was sold. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not a tough ticket necessarily to get, uh, get into the facility. It certainly is a tough ticket to get a really good seat because those seats are, you know, passed down from generation to generation. But, uh, in terms of if, if you want to get a ticket and be inside the facility, uh, this is an era where you can do that.
2: You know, aside from a, a, a tire coming off in this race, it, it looked to me like it's, it's a much safer, particularly uh, if you go back a number of years, there were some incredible crashes. And I often wondered how many people really attended just to see the, the disasters that, that we've seen in that thing. Do you feel like it's a much safer race today than it used to be?
3: Yeah, there's no question about that, and and uh, certainly the the sense of danger still attracts people to you know the, they they're they're you know putting themselves on the line. But you know Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, they helped uh, along with the University of Nebraska develop a safer barrier, uh, mm-hmm. which certainly deadens the impact. Uh, more recently. Uh, They have put together a halo around uh, the open cockpit. We had a a driver a few years ago, Justin Wilson, that was killed uh, at Pocono on a tire that, uh, you know, there was an accident that was 300 feet uh, or 300 yards in front of him, and there was a tire came and and hit him and and, uh, killed him. So uh, the halo is certainly, we've seen that in IndyCar this year. There were a couple of accidents that would have been much more severe had it not been for the the halo over the over the head, uh, it's not a complete closed cockpit. But there's been other safety measures. Uh, there's a tether now on all the uh, the tires so that the tires, you know, supposedly doesn't uh, uh, get away. It did happen this this year because the uh, tire changer didn't get the tire on properly at a uh, Graham Rahal was coming off of a pit stop. But there's many safety measures. Uh, and, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway has been at the head of a lot of that. So, you know, there are, there are still danger. There's still, uh, you know, really gruesome incidents. Um, you know, a few years ago, James Hinchcliffe at the, at the speedway, he had a, uh, uh, a push rod that went through his leg and the, it were not for the, uh, the safety team, he would not have survived. Uh, and he's back racing again, so. You know the safety you know, continues to evolve. It's much different than it was, you know, even 20 years ago.
2: Uh, Kuno, how fast do they actually reach at peak speed coming down the straightaway?
3: They are approaching 240 miles an hour at the uh, going into turn one or turn three. Uh, they the record speed for a lap in qualifying was 236 back in 1997. Uh, that's when they ran. You know, they ran turbo. They went back to the naturally aspirated engines, and and the speeds are creeping up again. But if you look at qualifying, uh, they uh, the peak speeds are close to 240 going in uh, to turn one. It's a little less than that on race day uh, as they're trimmed out to try to run in traffic.
1: Who's your all-time favorite Indy 500 driver?
3: Well, when I. Uh, you know, Elio certainly is up there. Um, I was a fan of Sam Hornish Jr. in the, in, uh, the mid 2000s. Then he went over to NASCAR. Um, uh, right now, I, I really like uh, Joseph Neugarden. He's a young driver from, or not as young anymore, from, from Nashville. But Elio, probably for most of, most fans, Elio Castroneves, along with Tony Canaan, and they're two non Americans, they're two Brazilians. Uh, are as popular as uh, they've ever, you know, as, as any driver in this era.
2: Is anybody as popular as Foyt once was?
3: I don't think so. You know, it's, it's funny because uh, uh, there was, in that era where Foyt and Mario Andretti uh, were racing, their fans, uh, I think, took one or the other. There were yeah. a lot of them that were Foyt fans. Which then they didn't like the Andretti's, and then there were some Andretti fans that didn't like Foyt. I don't think that there is is a well-rounded driver as good as those two drivers are, and and one of the things that you just can't this is an era where uh, uh, drivers don't drive everything like they used to do. Um, You know, the one that's come the closest in recent years has been Tony Stewart. Uh, That's uh, you know tonight, for instance, they've got several, including Elio is in a race uh, on a dirt track. They've got about six of those. It's going to be on CBS Sports Network over the next three Saturdays. Uh, but, you know, those drivers used to drive everything from F1 to uh, to NASCAR to IndyCars, and they were good at everything. So I don't think... You're not going to see a driver like that anymore. You know, and you look at this year, Jimmy Johnson, who is a seven-time NASCAR champion, is running all the road courses at uh, in IndyCar, and he is... At the, at the very back of all the races that he's run. And uh, this is a guy that's, uh, you know, one of the best drivers of all time in, in NASCAR.
1: Mike, off the top, I mentioned uh, your position with the VisitChampaignCounty.com uh, uh, group, and uh, give us a little update on what you guys are working on now that you're getting back to full strength.
3: Yeah, you know, the, uh, there's a couple things that are exciting. You know, one, obviously, uh, the Rantoul Family Sports Complex, uh, has brought a lot of outside traffic in, um, and it's really, it couldn't have come at a better time in terms of where the hotels and restaurants, uh, the hotels filled uh, you know, most weekends there's uh, there's activity, and they've, they've got two fourplexes uh, that are basically full all the time, plus a few other things on their multipurpose field. Uh, we have the AJGA that's coming into town. We're, at this point, uh, no outside fans, but uh, we're hoping maybe that changes. Uh, that's in mid-July. Uh, and, of course, uh, Hot Rod Power Tour will be in town. That, you mentioned the Nebraska weekend. That will be the Friday night before uh, that Nebraska game at uh, State Farm Center. So that will be, you know, talk about the, the Indy 500 being the kickoff to summer. That will be kind of a kickoff weekend to fall, I think, in this town. Uh, And then uh, it seems like a long way away, but uh, we have, of course, the state basketball tournament back next March. And so uh, already there's several things going on to try to get ready for that uh, next March. And so we're hoping to to continue to fill the calendar. I think that uh, the fact that uh, the restrictions are being lifted here in Illinois and pretty much around the country Uh, will lend itself. People are anxious to get out and and, uh, to be at events, and so it's part of my my job to to bring those events to Champaign-Urbana.
1: Good stuff, Mike. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Talk talk to you soon.
3: Okay, thanks, Steve and Lauren. You
1: bet. Mike Kuhn is with us. It is moving up on 920. We'll take our first time out and talk some more. We've got an open line, 217-356-9397. If you want to jump in, coming up at 9.30, we'll talk basketball recruiting with Brad Sturdy. That'll get us through the first hour of the show, and a couple of guests uh, scheduled in the second hour. State Senator uh, Chapin Rose at 10 o'clock, Mike Small at 10.15, and J.A. Adonde You may have seen him over the years on ESPN on uh, Around the Horn show in the afternoon. He's also a uh, very uh, renowned writer for the, uh, he, he was with the Chicago, which paper in Chicago? Sun-Times, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. and the uh, L.A. Times as well.
2: Yeah, and he was on The Herd just this week uh, mm-hmm. for an interview, yeah.
1: And he is now the uh, director of the School of Journalism at Northwestern. He'll join us at 1030. Right now, we'll take a time out and be back with more after this. Mm-hmm. 923, I Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, and we are with you until 11 o'clock Got an open line right now if you want to jump in, 217-356-9397, whatever else might be on your mind. Baseball, recruiting, of course recruiting is always a hot topic, NBA playoffs, are you uh, in tune with what's going on there? LeBron's uh, Lakers are out, eh?
2: Well, yeah, once Davis got hurt, they just they didn't really have much of a chance. I, I think LeBron is, is on the... Um Downward path from from greatness is that a fair statement? I mean, he, he uh, you know you can argue whether he's better than Michael Jordan. I think most people think Michael Jordan was was a premier player of all time, but uh, he's he's in that conversation. And that's one of those
1: questions depends on your age.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really oh, absolutely. But I I just uh, the thing that is whether it's Lillard last night or whether I mean uh, the other night or whether it's uh, there's, there's so Leonard. I mean, the guys are making baskets that, that you, you just
1: can't stop. The shot making is unbelievable.
2: I, I see no. Now this is, this is just me. I see no uh, offensive strategy at all. I just see give the ball to your best player and let him do his thing, and they're unstoppable. I mean, nobody's running intricate offensive schemes, are they? I don't see it. I just see guys coming down and. And maybe they'll pass it once or twice, and bang, it's gone. It's, it's, and, and the shooting from the three-point range is incredible. It's, and, I, and I think um, this might be the first year I could say this. I don't, I don't want to say that eight teams have a chance to win it, but more teams have a chance to win the, the championship this year than any year I can ever remember. And I'm not an expert on this. I'm just saying what I think a lot of people think, that it's just a toss-up from here on in.
1: I don't know what I think about, it appears, the defense anymore is optional. <laughs> well, I,
2: I, no matter how hard you try to play defense, how, how do you stop these yeah, guys? Yeah,
1: that's, that's the chicken and egg thing. How do you do that in, when the, the offensive players are so good?
2: Yeah, I mean, the difference between college basketball and professional basketball is like night and day. The talent level is just so great at that level and and they're able to big guys able to dribble and and shoot jumpers from 25 feet how do you stop that
1: and that brings us to Kofi Coburn and how he might well, fit into that
2: i mean he he doesn't fit in no. th- in that regard and it's just a case of whether do you want a guy to be to come in and play minutes as, as maybe as a defensive force in the lane and but uh, if 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 they're going to take him outside the lane, he's he's he can't compete with those guys.
1: And we're going to talk um, as the show goes on about uh, the name, uh, image, and likeness, the NIL, and how that might affect people. We don't know the answer to that, and how long it might take to affect people. Like it might that If Kofi was on the edge and, and and thinking about maybe coming back, would it be? beneficial enough for a guy like that this soon to to benefit from that
2: well uh for so
1: many unanswered questions about it
2: yeah and i'm afraid Kofi's going to be gone before the right. go- the governor uh maybe yes. uh, signs it i don't know and i don't know what the pritzker's going to do but uh i assume he's going to sign it i i think he would but you know you're going to have it's going we've already talked about this being the wild west because of the portal Think of the Wild West as going to be when 20 different states have name, image, likeness, abilities to make money, and the other states don't, and every other and every state that has it is a little different.
1: <laughs> and who, I mean,
2: that's just totally unfair. In and terms who of,
1: governs it? Who oversees it? Who
2: well, we haven't got to that NCAA, point.
1: <laughs> where's the NCAA in this?
2: Well, they they're, they they are are hopeful that Congress takes us off the you know that, that Congress solves the problem because they need a national rule and the, and uh, the NCA is afraid for various reasons to to pass anything.
1: Even that even if you get to that point, cheaters will cheat.
2: Oh yeah, well, you've got five or six schools right now that are obviously cheated that uh, that uh, they can't even form a conclusion about.
1: Let's go to the phones. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Good morning, Steve.
4: Good morning, guys. Nice sunny morning and, and everything. But this was for Lauren. And, uh, you know, he's a Hall of Fame uh, basketball writer. But I'm going to tell you why he's a Hall of Famer in my eyes. Did you happen to see the Memorial Day concert last Sunday night they have from Washington, D.C.?
2: I don't it think was so. on
4: PBS Network, to Public Network. I, I did not see uh-uh. it. Did
2: you, Lauren? No, I don't think so. Uh-uh. Well,
4: well, anyway, Bob Theron and I were talking about it yesterday, and uh, anyway, he said, and I've heard Lauren talk about it. But they had a uh, five-minute segment celebrating the seventy-fifth anniversary of the Korean War. Yeah, and I've heard Lauren talk about Korea, and in that five segment, they showed blizzard conditions, snow, guys sleeping in sleeping bags out in the snow you know, walking through that drift, the wind. And I said, man, if Lauren Tate went through that. Oh, no, no, my- no,
2: I, I didn't go to Korea. That's, I, I was lucky. I was, most of the people that I was in school with, I mean, I was, uh, you know, and I had to go through a signal school at Fort Monmouth. When I came out of that, I was lucky enough to be able to stay on, on, uh, at the fort. I never left there. I, I did not go to Korea.
4: Well, I was thinking I
2: heard you talk one Well, I did. I one. talked about the fact that a lot of my friends went to Korea, but I didn't have to. And I, I was pretty lucky because some of the guys didn't come back. I knew guys that didn't come back.
4: Because you said there's nothing over there you want to no, see. No no. Back. <laughs>
2: no, no. Well, no. I
1: had the same experience with the Vietnam War. I had guys that uh, when you went, when you got drafted and you went to take the physical, you weren't necessarily coming home between you and leaving right then. Uh huh. And um, as it turned out in my story, I uh, because I have asthma and, and some other things, I failed the physical, which I was not too uh, upset about failing something at that point, and didn't have to go. But guys that I rode on the bus to Cincinnati, Ohio, to take the physical, and were friends of mine, they left and uh, they they were accepted and left right then, and uh, and one or two of them didn't come back. Anything else, Steve?
4: No, but I just encourage anybody, you know, you or Lauren, to go to YouTube or something, but watch that Memorial Day concert special, because that was, uh, it's a tearjerker, but it's it's important why we have veterans.
1: Good stuff. Thanks for the call. We appreciate that. Moving up on uh, 930. What other basketball note before we get off uh, basketball? Kipper Nichols is going to play with the uh, House of Pain. I see that. So they're... uh, Their roster is getting filled out for that event coming up uh, later this summer. It is 9.30, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. After this uh, next break, we'll talk some basketball recruiting with Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com. And uh, Chester Frazier and Jeff Alexander have had a pretty good week, it sounds like, as far as getting out there. And now that everything has opened up since we've hit the month of June, we'll talk it over with Brad Sturdy after this on Illini Pedal Saturday Sports Talk. One of those Illini guys is Brad Sturdy, and Brad is on the telephone with us this morning. Good morning, Bradley. How are you? Good. How are you doing? We're hanging in there. Want to talk to you a little bit about uh, basketball recruiting, and uh, now that uh, June 1st has come and gone, and uh, we're in full swing in June here in the uh, first week of the month, but uh, basketball coaches are back out and uh, Official and unofficial visits are back on. Give us an update of what uh, you've seen happen Illinois-wise in the uh, first four or five days of June.
5: Well, they have already had a you know a, a great group of visitors on campus. Um, started off on June first. They had um, Jeremy Fears, um, who is uh, Joliet, who you know played at prep school, but from Joliet, and he is, was on campus on the first. He's a 2023 point guard. Dynamic top 50 player, maybe higher in the country. Um, they had Ty Pence, a local product uh, out of St. Joe Ogden, who um, received a scholarship offer on his visit. Pretty awesome um, for him. You know, local kid. Um, and, you know, 6'6", six, six, you know, You a lot of your listeners probably seen him play or at least heard of him. Um, and he's had a really good spring for uh, the Mid-Pro Academy. And um, Getting to play against, you know, the higher-level competition has done really well. Uh, They had uh, A.J. Storr on campus, you know, who was committed and then decommitted. He had a great visit, got to, you know, meet the uh, coaching staff. Um, There there was a Phillips kid, a 6'10 kid from Ohio, or Michigan, I guess, um, who uh, was on campus the same day as Storr. That was all the first three days, June 1st, 2nd, 3rd. And then today they have uh, Owen Freeman, who is from uh, Bradley Bourbonnet, who is uh, from Bradley. Uh, He is a 6'10 kid who is a you know, a 4-5 type. He's 2023. just a dynamic player. He's had an amazing spring. He went from being a kid that Illinois offered early uh, to get in on, you know, with the previous uh, assistant coaches, and now they have really um, amped up their uh, recruiting of him, and uh, he's starting to get offers from everybody. Um, he'll get offers from most of the Big Ten schools, I would say. I think he has a visit to Butler next week where he'll get an offer there, so but he's on campus today at Illinois, and so that's uh, that's really exciting. So uh, they have Jane, Jane Shutt from the Illinois Wolves will be on campus Monday. They've got a kid from Indy named Jalen Hooks, um, who is a uh, six seven uh, wing. Um, they've got Reggie Bass scheduled for later. Uh, Jayden Epps, who was a decommitment from a school out east that Chester had, Chester Frazier had recruited when he was at Virginia Tech, he'll be on campus I think the seventeenth. So. Just a bunch of visits coming up over the next few weeks. It's you know it's really exciting to see all these kids on campus. The uh, kids are excited to get on campus because they haven't had, been on campus for you know well over a year, and they haven't had anybody on campus in over 15 months. It's all been Zoom calls and virtual visits and things like that. So it's pretty cool.
1: Speaking of uh, decommitments, um, AJ Store decommitted from Illinois when the uh, coaches left Orlando and Chin Coleman. You don't see many guys who decommit from a place, recommit to a place. How are you feeling about this? You think there's a chance that he'll recommit to Illinois?
5: Yeah, I I do. I think Illinois really put a good, good, uh, their best foot forward here with his visit. Um, Getting to know him a little better. You know, obviously, you know, you you spend, obviously the head coach is really important, but you spend so much time with the assistant coaches and in the recruiting process, they start the process, you know, the, the assistants. And so, AJ, you know, being a kid who's still got another year of uh, school left, another summer of AAU, he's got, you know, so he um, he just, it was good that maybe for him to kind of be able to take some of visits and things and get to see some other things. But he had a great visit. They were really uh, sold on the program this time and um, re- feel really good about Illinois. Obviously, he has an official visit to Kansas coming up. He's planning on being on campus for an official visit to Illinois in the fall. You know, Illinois is right now doing a lot of unofficials because they figure, you know, with no kids on campus right now, it's not quite the same atmosphere um, as you'll get. You know, it'd be awesome for have them on campus for, in August for that, you know, the football game, you know, whatever it is, and, and kids all over and, and, and more like a normal college experience.
2: I think it could be really exciting for those kids, and I think that's what they're looking for. Brad, when you run down so many names, uh, I, I, I always go back to how many people has Illinois offered – made official offers to in just the class of 2022 which is where I believe that's where story is isn't it
1: I think maybe we lost Hello? Brad actually yeah. yeah we'll try to get him back sounded like he was in the car so we'll uh, we'll try to get him back on the phone you know I, yeah, I, we'll confirm this but I think he's probably on his way to uh, scout a softball game because his team the tri-City tornadoes, won the regional last night. They're 27-2, and two. so they play in a sectional. Tri-City's down by Buffalo. Tri-City, Sangamon Valley yep. is uh, the school there. So his softball team is uh, playing for uh, some state hardware, so he's probably going to see today's game to find out who his Tuesday opponent is going to be. So we'll try to get uh, Bradley back on the phone. We thought we had him there momentarily, but uh, you, you talk about all those names... And the people coming in, um, I don't know what the number is. Baby Brad it's does. In the forties. Yes, and uh, that's I mean, a lot of offers out there. And
2: yeah, I, I, that's it, it. Almost like you don't know which are really real offers and which are just fake offers. So, right. And, and by the way, some of the forty offers or forty plus offers that I that I haven't looked this up for the last week, so I don't know what the actual number is today. But. Uh, some of those people have already committed to other schools. So you probably, you could say, well, you know, there's a certain percentage of them you're not going to get because they're already committed elsewhere. But uh, we also see decommits as, right. as we did with STORE. And so we just, I, I don't know how to, I just don't know how to take it. Let's go, back,
1: not, let's go back to Brad. He's with us back on the phone. Hey, Brad.
5: Hey, how's it going? Oh, sorry, got cut hey.
1: kind of off there. That's no problem. Laura was asking about the number of uh offers that might be out there roughly
5: oh in which class i mean i think (laughs) in 2022 i mean there's got to be literally i bet there are 40 to 50 kids they've offered maybe more um because you have a lot of kids that were offered by the previous staff and then of course chester and jeff have their connections they've come in and uh been fantastic you know getting their own offers out there so there's a lot of kids that have offers now how many of those i think you offer them and then you see who's got come visit and who's really interested. It kind of opens up that
2: door to see what, where they're at. Well, it sure makes it confusing for you are trying to figure out who do they really want. <laughs> now, I, I just have a, a pretty, uh, you know, I assume that they really want Fears in 2023 uh, because he is yeah. a point guard and they're going to need a point guard at some point. I don't know how long uh, our current point, our upcoming point guard is going to last. He's so good that uh, you wonder, uh, does he fit in the NBA, or how much money could he make if he turns pro? But uh, Corbello is, is certainly a, a special guy, and if I'm a point guard, I'm not going to come to Illinois right now, if because I know I'm not going to get a play this year. Isn't that the way the thinking goes? Yeah, no question.
5: I mean, you've got Curbello and Trent Frazier this year, so in 2021, you're probably thinking that this is not a great place to bring in a point guard, but... I think in 2022, they're going to look to bring in another with losing those guys and the plumber kid who from you know transferred from Utah. So hey, I think they're going to look to bring in another line. Reggie Bass is, of course, more of a combo, but he can play the point. I think they're looking for another guy to really create off the bounce in 2022. And then also in 2023, they want to have multiple guys who can do that uh, going forward. I think that's the one thing besides maybe a, a dynamic big man, um, you know, another, another big guy to add depth. A depth piece there uh, that they're lacking. Um, I think they're going to add another guy this summer before the season. It's going to be more of a four-five guy, and, and then then we'll kind of go from there. But then in 2022, they're going to have a lot of guys to replace, um, and they're going to have a lot of pieces they're going to have to fill, and, and a lot of holes they're going to have to fill. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I, I know that they've got you know the commitments, to, you know from Reggie Bass, and then hopefully they can add stores well, and then maybe another uh, another dynamic guard. And then a, another big guy. And they, they have a few big guys uh, that they're going to have on campus, uh, besides the Phillips
1: kid, obviously, but some other kids they'll have on campus for official business later on. All three of us, uh, yourself, Lauren, and myself, have known Chester Frazier and Jeff Alexander for some time, but we're getting a chance now to, to see them in, in different roles than we knew them before. Your thoughts on the, the job those two guys are doing here, they seem to, to really have, have hit the ground running.
5: I'll be honest. You know, I was obviously I, I knew um, Orlando Atigua and Chin Coleman very well, um, known them for a long time, and, but I, I've been really impressed with what Chester and Jeff have done. Um, they have really they brought the, the contacts they had, but they've done an awesome job of also reaching out and getting back in contact with the guys that you know Orlando and Chin had 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 been had been in deep with. So they've done a, just a fantastic job. Um, uh, Chester. Is on the phone constantly. Jeff is on the phone constantly. They are, they are just they're they're grinding, man. They are really working hard, really putting in the hours and the time, building relationships with kids. I've been really impressed, and I know they're also. Uh, I know Chester especially is really excited to get the guys that are on the team back on campus, so he can really get to mesh with them in person. And so um, it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, it, it, you know, every time every time there's change, there's some there's some downside, but there's also some upside. You've got two guys who really love Illinois. Um, they're, they're Illinois fans. They're guys who are bleed orange and blue, and they want to see Illinois do well. And uh, they're they're really uh, they're really bought in on the program. And uh, just like Coach Underwood, you know, Illinois was his destination job. So you got these you got three guys right now working really hard to make
2: Illinois, um, you know, successful. Brad, I'm going to switch gears just uh, briefly. Did you catch a, a, a two questions? Number one, did you catch any of Montana Fouts of Alabama throwing that perfect game yesterday? Number one, number two, where are you in your softball uh, trips right now? Where are you going? Uh, well, we won our
5: regional last night, um, so I'm headed to scout in Quincy um, for our sectional opponent. Um, so yeah, that should that's that's I'm on, on the road right now, and then uh, yeah, I watched the Fouts, I watched the last. We had, you know, we played our game, had a little team dinner, and then we came home and watched that game. The bounce was just fantastic, and also the the play that RC, uh, uh made for uh, for uh, you know, the, the diving
6: tag at the plate was just amazing. Yep. Uh, that women's college world series is just some awesome
5: stuff. It's been uh, must see television over the past uh, week or so.
1: Well, good luck with that uh, coming up on uh, Tuesday. Back to basketball. A couple of quick things. Any update on Trey Mitchell and, or anybody else in the portal that might be uh, on the radar or still?
5: Obviously, Trey Mitchell. Um, everything I've heard is you know Trey loved loved Illinois. Um, I, I just don't know that it's going to be a fit. Is uh, you know now? I it's really kind of wild um, what's going on there with um, you know with his. Um, his Stepdad, basically Tony Bergeron and where he's going to end up. You've seen. Some, I'm sure you guys have seen the tweets about, you know, he, you know it's a package deal, things like that. Um, Tony obviously with Illinois having three assistant open, openings, I'm sure he thought that he should have gotten one of those if they wanted Trey. And Trey Mitchell would be an ideal fit for what Illinois needs, and a perfect fit to be honest. Um, but at the same time, sometimes it's uh, you know sometimes things don't work out, and it's so I, I don't see that happening as of today, but things are very fluid in the transfer portal, and you know there are 1,600 plus guys who've gone in the transfer portal this year. 1,650, I think it was as of this morning. So uh, I think they're going to hit. I think there's another wave coming um, after the early entrance drop out of the draft, and or some of them go back to school. Some kids are going
2: to pop out. Some kids that maybe get pushed out. I think you could see another. I think it, we could hit 2,000 before we're done, before August comes around. So it's going to be an interesting. There's still kids out there. I think you're right about it another way because there's going to be literally hundreds of players not being drafted that are going to have to find a place to play either professionally or come back to college. And that number in the draft is incredible. I mean, there's way too many. For 60 positions, there's way, way too many.
5: Yeah, no question, there's just, but it is, you know, I guess that's the, kids want to give it a shot, and what, so we'll know, you know, they have that pre-graph camp, it's two weeks away, 21st, through to the 27th, something like that, of June, and then they have to pull out by, I think, you know, their early July, so, we'll know a lot more than, and I think you're going to see, you know, another fifteen hundred kids coming back, so, trying to, and then that, does that, do they, so, enter the transfer portal, or they go back to the same school, if they go back to the same
6: school, does it push another kid out, And he decides, well, I'm not going to play now. I'm going to go somewhere else. It it could be a domino effect. So I think there's
5: another wave coming. I think we just have to stay patient and see what happens. I know Illinois is going to be monitoring that. And and they're also monitoring some of the overseas kids, some kids that uh, are possibly, you know, kids that are are pretty good who might be a nice fit. Um, Some kids that – I know uh, Jeff Alexander has some great contacts uh, in Europe. So we're going to – just keep an
2: eye on that over the next uh, month or so as well. Yeah, there. I think there's like 60 uh, foreign kids in the in the draft right now that could pull, any number could pull out because obviously all of them can't be drafted but the thing that, that I think about about these, the players that would be coming out of that, uh, pulling out of the draft is that these will be a lot of pretty good players. I mean, these are guys that think, in their own minds at least that they're good enough to turn pro and yet they can't they're not quite, so there'll be some talent there. Yeah,
5: no question so now you're, now you're looking at, you hope you have a spot open. You know, it's like you always want to fill those scholarships. It's almost changed. I, when I talked to Brad, uh, after the season, he said it's really, recruiting has really changed. I mean, you're kind of looking at, it, it's hard to take. you got to take some high school kids, but you also going to have spots open for this transfer portal because so many good players are out there.
1: Brad, we'll let you go with this. There's still at least one. Staff opening on uh, Brad Underwood's staff. Things have gone kind of quiet here in the uh, last couple of weeks. You think he's got his guy, and uh, and what do you think we might know?
5: I think it's going to be soon. Um, I know that, that he has told the players that they, they will have a full staff when they get back on campus, which is a week from uh, week. Start. They start coming back next week from today, I believe. So um, you're going to see. I, I think in this week you're going to. Next week you're going to see some some leak out, and we'll probably get it higher. Uh, I think that he has his guy. I think he's got four or five guys on his, uh, that he had on his short list. I think he's got one guy that's at the top, and we'll just see how that goes and whether they can get the details
1: ironed out. Hey, Brad, appreciate your time. Thanks for taking time. I know you're busy with uh, your own uh, softball coaching duties. Good luck to you down the road, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Brad Sturdy with us from IlliniGuys.com. His Tri-City team is moving on. Also moving on in softball is the uh, Unity girls team. They beat St. Joe to win the uh, regional. So uh, they're moving along as well. Speaking of moving along, we're at 9.50 almost. We'll take a timeout and be back with more Illini fellow Saturday Sports Talk after this. 952, Illinois Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with Mr. Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. Phone line is open, 217 356 9397. We're talking about a mutual friend of ours. We have a few around that have been around a while, Ted Beach.
2: Yeah, still up in his 90s, still shooting his age.
1: Yeah, and uh, they
2: tell me that he was the only one to do that uh, yesterday. They had a big breakfast at uh, Yoshi Hayasaki's place down on uh, Staley and Springfield. And I went over for breakfast uh, yesterday morning and sat in with them. I'm not really a member, but I do play with them. I try to play with them once or twice every. They play year. up at Brook Hill. Yeah, at Brook Hill. And this is the 25th anniversary of uh, when they st- when it all started. With uh, uh, they call it Beaches Buddies, but he just calls it uh, Golf Buddies. He doesn't want his name involved.
1: And so he uh, was the recipient of a few gifts, mostly oh, yeah. in his honor.
2: Mostly very funny gifts cardinal hat he got a cardinal hat yes and he's a cub fan i'm sure that made him
1: happy did uh, did you end up with that cardinal hat
2: no i didn't but he threw it at me
1: <laughs> well congratulations to ted he's one of our our favorite guys certainly uh a, a great yeah, name got and a
2: quite a crew there must have been close to 20 guys there uh yesterday all just there uh you know celebrating and the 25th anniversary and and then they all went out and played. He's a I mean, great. Not everybody uh, played, but most of them did.
1: Great name in Illinois basketball history. Another couple of great names in Illinois sports history are on this year's ballot of the uh, College Football Hall of Fame again. Simeon Rice, Kevin Hardy, and Mo Gardner will be on that ballot, and it'll be time again uh, for uh, the line I to get in there. The most recent one was Dana Howard in 2018.
2: Yeah, and since Hardy followed Howard uh, getting the Butkus Award, which, by the way, was the linebacker award, is named after an Illini, um, I wonder if he might have the best chance. What are your thoughts?
1: I think so. I, I think that having that major award does something for you. Yeah. Um, I think he, he's got a good shot, but uh, those other guys are deserving uh, in our orange tainted glasses view.
2: That one year when we had Hardy coming off one side and, and Simeon Rice off the other and and boy, Illinois could rush a passer like nobody. I mean, Illinois' defense was really good. The offense wasn't good enough, right. but Illinois was in every single game because defensively they were pretty good.
1: The next guy who gets into uh, the College Football Hall of Fame with Illinois Connections will be the 18th from Illinois, the most recent, as I mentioned, was Dana Howard. The most recent before that was David Williams, and uh, that took a while to get that done. Two thousand
2: five. Mike White made sure he caught a hundred balls. That made a difference. Yeah, that, it did. That uh, that was good advertising. <laughs> and
1: before, uh,
2: hundred balls in one season.
1: Yes, before David Williams in two thousand five, uh, the most recent before that was nineteen ninety eight. Al Brodsky.
2: Mm-hmm. Brodsky and, just had an incredible streak of interceptions that will never No regret. kidding.
1: You see that? It
2: was you know a what? little different in, in this sense in that Illinois played a six two two one and the cornerbacks were Herb Nethery and Stan Wallace. So he was a point he was like a. he was a single safety. He 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 went both ways and and so you know, today you have two two cornerbacks and two safeties. Nearly everybody has. Right. So one. So you don't have the option to get to the other side of the field. But I mean, he, he had just he had a great ability to read, and and he just picked off a interception every game. Well, the least.
1: thing that amazes me most when I think about that is because I don't think of teams in that era being passing teams as much.
2: No, they weren't. They didn't throw near as so many balls, but. Uh, and I don't think they threw him as well, but he had a he had a nose for the ball, and as I said, he you know he was responsible for both sides of the field. He's right. a single safety, and it it worked to perfection for him. And they had good teams with him.
1: Other guys, of course, in the uh, Hall of Fame, Jim Grabowski was uh, elected in the uh, Hall of Fame in uh, 1995. Pete Elliott in '93, and then the two big names, Red Grange went in in 1951, and Dick Butkus in 1983. What took so long for Butkus? <laughs> that should have been the next day, should not it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't answer that.
1: <laughs> I don't know what uh, what takes so long for some of those, but uh, certainly Illinois is represented well, and it would be nice to see either Simeon Rice, Kevin Hardy, or Mo Gardner get in. Those guys were, uh, as you mentioned, all coming along about the same time. Mo Gardner was a little bit earlier than those guys, but uh, yep. coming along right to at a time where Illinois was strong defensively,
2: yeah. It, uh, but it, uh, Illinois numbers uh, fade into obscurity compared to Ohio State. <laughs> it's just—it's uh, amazing what has happened in in, uh, in football with with the recruiting. Is now there's some talk. I mean, this is kind of interesting, Steve. there's some talk that if they had eight teams in the playoffs, that would help recruiting generally because more teams would feel like they had a chance. Right now there's there's so many, only three or four teams that feel like they really have a great chance to get in there and they recruit all the good players. We see it at Alabama, we see Clemson, we see Ohio State. They're, they're not only the best teams, but they also get the best recruits every year.
1: Right. And I think about that when I think of the uh, NIL stuff coming. You know, Ohio State, which has the probably the biggest athletic budget anyway, aside from what's mm-hmm. coming, uh, they're located in the state capital. <laughs> uh-uh. Not only
2: the state capital, but they got so many businesses. That's and what the, I mean. And they're the biggest city in the state of Ohio, yeah. and and they nationwide
1: uh, insurance, all kinds of big companies uh, are based in Columbus. Oh well, the, yeah, they got
2: that. That will be. A, th- they've got it made in that regard. There's no telling how much some of those players will be able to make. It's just they just have to divide it up. Make sure <laughs> different different companies will ha- take different players and. And uh, use them for advertising and pay
1: them. And, it, you know, the field's not wide open of what you can be involved with. Obviously, you can't get involved with uh, gambling or yeah. or alcohol or you know, some if other you're things. you're Nike school, you can't yes.
2: go the other way. I mean, you can't take a different shoe company, no.
1: Right. It is uh, 958. I don't know if you've been thinking about uh, some changes at your home or not, but if you have, I'd like to suggest you take a look at uh, – the Pelo Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive, they've got a series called the Lifestyle Series of wood windows and patio doors that provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency at an amazing value. Most of the styles are available with the triple pane glass, which improves energy conservation. The Pella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency. Plus, you can personalized solutions for each room of your home with available product packages. The uh, Pella Lifestyle Series allows you to choose the features to fit your project's unique style and with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find a Lifestyle Series windows and doors, a complement to your home and to your budget, wherever that uh, budget might be. The Lifestyle Series and doors are designed to last for years. They've got great uh, warranties that come along with those as well. So stop by and check them out. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign or give them a call to set up an appointment if you'd like to see them maybe on a Saturday. 356 is the number. Their hours at the current time are Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The pedal Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. We've hit 10 o'clock, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is up next.
0: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: Welcome back to the program, everybody. We're headed towards 11 o'clock. Got a busy first hour, thanks to our guests, the uh, first hour of the show, Mike Kuhn and Brad Sturdy. We've got some three more guests lined up for you here in hour number two. We're going to lead off with uh, State Senator Chapin Rose, who is with us on the phone. Good morning, Chapin. How are you? Good
7: morning, guys. How are you today?
1: We're doing pretty well. we got a couple of things we want to kind of touch base with you uh, on the legislative side of things. Uh, sports gambling is uh, becoming uh, an issue these days, and the uh, nil conversation let's start with uh, wagering in uh, on sports in the state of illinois where does that stand right now
7: so that did not pass uh, a version of it passed the house only uh on the uh, when you're there for four eight hours straight and you sleep two hours you don't know which day it is but one of the last two days of session uh it passed the house it did not pass the senate the um uh, it included uh, that you could bet on in-state um, sort of collegiate sports, but you had to do it um, in person, so you couldn't do it over your phone, and you couldn't bet on individual players. So you know, it was the outcome of the game type thing, but that only passed one chamber, so it's got a long way to go. I know that um, Josh Whitman and U of I have some pretty serious concerns about that bill, um, but as it stands, it, it's, it's sort of in limbo for the time being.
1: What about yourself? Uh, where, where do you stand on that?
7: <clears throat> yeah, so guys, here's the problem with all these bills it's not just one bill <laughs> with one topic, there's a hundred different things in that bill. It deals with mm. everything from raffles and poker runs, you know, all, of, all the way up to video gaming and other components of gaming. So until I see a final version, of a bill i always reserve the right to say no or yes right i mean i just until it's real um it, you know it's hard to say whether you're for it or against it but the uh sports betting i i don't have an issue as much as some do as long as you're not betting on individual players or plays um but obviously i get uh, the university's concern that that they really don't want somebody setting up a situation where um you know people could could uh Try to throw a game, and so. But look, I'll tell you this: it's got a long way to go before it becomes before it becomes law.
2: Well, you know, you brought up something, Chapin, that uh, that always has concerned me uh, as I watch uh, the operation. Is that a bill will have so many different things that you sometimes you have to uh, pass a bill just to get your part in, even though you don't like other aspects of the bill. Isn't that always a problem,
7: Lauren? That's the problem. I mean, you know, I've seen plenty of bills come along where you. Where you're for eighty five percent of it, and there's that fifteen percent that you don't yep. like, and it and it really becomes an issue of how much don't you like the fifteen percent? <laughs> mm. You know, you gotta weigh, you gotta weigh it. And the other thing is, as you guys know, just like what happened with the state budget the other day, the final bill shows up with less than an hour before it gets voted on, and you're expected to know everything that's in it when it's you know several hundred pages long. So I, I really don't like the way the you know the folks in Springfield you know, do the procedural side of of legislation. Um, You know, people need to have, especially something as as consequential as gaming, it should have a full vetting, it should be published to the citizens of Illinois, people should have a chance to read it, certainly more than an hour to read hundreds of pages, because, you know, you could have a version, they did the same thing um, with our police officers, you could have a version three months ago, and suddenly on a one-hour posting requirement, the change is 180, and, um, you know, an 800-page bill, who can read an 800-page bill in an hour? Nobody. Well, isn't
2: isn't that a problem nationally, though? I mean, I don't, I don't think that's just uh, the General Assembly of Illinois. It sounds to me like that goes all the I, way to Congress.
7: <laughs> I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I will tell you this, that, that there's some important things that need to get cleaned up in, in gaming in this state. And that's one of the problems is this House version has some, some gaming uh, cleanups for things like video poker and some of the stuff that you see in your bars and you know, VFWs and American legions that many want to see those cleanups, but then they'll stick in sort of this thing related to the, you know, to the universities. And here, here's one thing that I I think we all agree on. And I don't think people should be betting off their phones while they're at the actual stadium and certainly not on players, Mm -hmm. right? It would, it would simply be too easy to, to find a player maybe in a dorm room the night before or, or out at cams or whatever and say, Hey, listen, you know, if you get that long pass, don't catch it, and we'll all put money on it. It would just be too easy. So, um, you know, to the extent I'm pleased with anything in it, I'm pleased that they've you know sort of removed the notion of betting on specific players or specific plays, um, and in and, 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 and at the uh, venue itself. I mean, you shouldn't be able to bet while you're sitting there at the game.
2: But Chapman, we got to we'll get where that one goes. Yeah, we got to get to nil and the name, image, likeness thing, and uh, evidently that did pass the general assembly, and it's up to the governor now, huh?
7: Yep, that did pass. Uh, it was sponsored by um, – uh, well, actually, I was a co-sponsor, but the, the two primary sponsors were uh, Napoleon Harris, who's a former Northwestern linebacker and NFL linebacker, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Cam Buckner, uh, Representative Cam Buckner, who's a former Illinois linebacker. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in fact, uh, uh, Napoleon took great pleasure in pointing out to me and to Cam that it took a guy from Northwestern to get the bill across the finish line in the Senate. <laughs> 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 But
2: will the will the governor uh, will he sign it?
7: I, I think he will. Um, I, I he hasn't. I haven't talked to him about it, obviously, but I think he will. It's got uh, you know quite a bit of bipartisan support. The universities support this. Um, again, this is a national trend. Um, you know, Illinois really does stand being left behind if we don't. You know, don't come along with something. Um, NCAA is really faltered. I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that they should have done. Uh, from the outset for the whole country, but they let other states get away from them. Um, One important thing I point out to people is that boosters um, are not allowed to condition uh, support or funding for a name, image, and likeness promotion for an athlete on either their performance as an athlete or their attendance at a specific institution. So you would not be allowed to go out and say, hey, if you come to Illinois, we'll get you all these, you know, contracts for for name, image, and license likeness endorsements. That will not be allowed. It will be for students once they're at the institution that they can then uh, go out. They can actually hire an agent if they want to. But um, guys, this has been a fundamental fairness thing for me for forever. You know, the the like basketball. This this uh, statistics dated, but you know the NCAA made half a billion off the tournament ten years ago, yep. and these players, you know, other than their scholarships, these players aren't getting one penny of that money. And um, well, Chapin, you know, I,
2: I will tell you right now that uh, you're dreaming if you don't think there's going to be recruiting uh, efforts in this regard. <laughs> Cheating's gone on all all along. It's not going to yeah. change now, is it?
7: Well, look, it will now be a violation of state law if you do that. Okay, so, okay. Uh, you know, and, and I will also tell you, Lauren, to your point, I, I I worry a little bit about what the law says in California or Alabama or Ohio or Michigan, right? Like mm-hmm. they're all coming up with their own laws, and will they be able to support uh, a uh, an athlete as a condition of coming to a school? Um, we are not going to allow that in Illinois, but we don't know. We can't control their states, which really gets us back to why has the NCAA not taken this on
1: themselves? Do you need the NCAA for this? Uh, you know, and with that said, who's going to manage? Who's going to govern all this?
0: Yeah. So
7: again, it all comes back to the compliance at the universities, right? Their internal compliance divisions. I will tell you guys that every university uh in this state with any sort of uh, size or scope of a flex program is supporting uh the one that passed and that's not the case i mean there's it took a year to you know get to that position they didn't start off in support so there's been a lot of time and negotiations and discussions but you know eiu isu siu um you know they're all they're all on board um obviously our our hometown schools. so you know, you've had Michael Leroy on several times talking about this issue. Um, professor Leroy from U of I. And I really, you know, I really believe that if this is sort of a do or die moment for collegiate sports, I mean, you get the, what is it? The G league or whatever, the NBA that's coming, you're going to be losing more and more students to, um, where there is no educational component to these sort of offshoot leagues. If, if the NCAA doesn't eventually get its act together and come up with a national rule, um, because really, you don't want a hodgepodge of you know fifty states. You want one national standard. And but I think we're we're ahead of the curve, and hopefully we'll force the NCAA to the table.
2: One last question: Don't you think Congress is going to act on this? Well, that I can, mean, for that a national as well. Yeah.
7: Yeah, I mean that that would be the other group that could do it. I mean, the, the, the Congress and the NCAA are the only ones that could try to settle this for the whole country. Um, but this is an issue that is crying out for that. But I will tell you, if Illinois didn't act. We will be left behind. I mean, if you're a if you're a star player um, that could go and get name, image, and likeness endorsement money in California and and you couldn't in Illinois, why would anyone come to Illinois? Right. So people may not like it, but it's here.
1: <laughs> That's state senator Chapin Rose, we appreciate your time from the uh, 51st district. Thanks for taking time for us this morning.
7: Thanks, guys. Go, lining. Very excited for uh, the Billima era.
1: Good deal, thanks. 10-12, we'll take a break and we'll talk things over with Illinois golf coach Mike Small wrapping up his team season and looking ahead to this summer and the future for Illinois golf and his professional golf career as well. That's coming up next on Illinois Pellis Saturday Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody, to Illini Phyllis Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, catching up with Illini golf coach Mike Small. Do you know where you are? You've been in and out of town so much. Good to see you back in town.
8: Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it's good good to be back. The the season's over. Uh, A big sigh of relief physically and emotionally. The day after the last round is always a unique day for me because I can just feel my body just kind of go (laughs) limp for the first time in about six or seven months, but... Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything it's 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 been it's been fun. We've traveled a lot. We've been all over the place and, uh, and yeah, now it's done An- another year in the books.
1: another big Ten championship in the books, thirteenth straight appearance in the NCAA championships. I know uh, you would have rather gone a little further in the tournament, but uh, another great season.
8: thank you, yeah, it is and uh, a lot of people have supported us. I got so many text messages and emails and social media comments from the people our fans that follow our program. It's been awesome. Um, the kids got a lot of positive feedback from people. They feel good about what they did. They were devastated and distraught after the round, very emotional, because this team put a lot into it this year. And we had to put a lot into it. You know, We, we had a, we had some question marks at the beginning of the year that we had to answer and get through, and they did it. And uh, this team's done everything I've asked them to do. And at the end of the day, the other day, it was just, you know, <laughs> you just kind of melt. and. Uh, um, but I tell you what, just the fans that came out and the and the, the support we have for a golf program um, is 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 really second to none. I mean, there's only a few schools in the country, I would say, that have the following we do, and it's it's pretty special.
2: What's the status of uh, Fegels and Tariato? Are they going to turn pro now?
8: Yes, I think they're turning pro this week. Actually, I think most of the seniors in college golf, once they're done with their last last tournament, they're going to play. And I think Fegels is going to play the U.S. Section the U.S. Open sectional qualifier as a pro this next week, and
2: how many will you actually? How many do you have right now playing professionally? Have you counted them?
8: I count at least ten. Yeah, I think ten. I mean, I can go through my mind right now. I keep in touch with them. I follow them, all the shots they hit, and all the tournaments they play. But um, yeah, these would be two more adding to the adding to the mix. I think that's pretty cool. That's special. You know, twenty years ago we wanted to build this. We wanted to have a tour presence, and it's been pretty steady um, last last few years.
2: How much has that contributed to your program to have guys going on and playing professionally? I mean, it sounds like that'd be something to sell.
8: It is, it is. It's a very positive talking point when recruits come because, you know, you come here to get an education first and we make sure everybody knows that. We will never sell the education in Illinois short. This is the main reason why you come here. But a close, close, close second is to chase your trade and chase something you dream to do and play the PGA Tour. And if you have guys that have gotten their degrees and put it in their back pocket and decide to chase their dream doing it and out playing, it's it's an inspiration to the recruits. And um, all the top programs in the country have that. You have to have that if you want to convince young players that this is where, like I said, they want to get an an education, but they also want to see how good they can be. That's the reason for the facilities. That's the reason for the schedule. That's the reason for for uh, what we do is because we want to give these guys every chance to be successful in things they want to do
1: mike small has been on the job as head coach here for 21 years how has recruiting golfers to illinois changed over that time from the when you got here
8: the relationship building is still the same i think that's where it all starts and i think when coaches keep it in that frame um, in that in that mold i think it's it's fun successful it can be successful um, it's changed in a lot of the peripheral ways, you know, um, scouting services and social media and uh, attention needed by recruits and parents is more than it used to be. But the the, the the bare the bare bones grassroots of recruiting, building relationships and and extending your hand as a coach to help them become somebody they want to become is still there. That's what I enjoy is the relationships. But the numbers of people that are the kids. Um, their expectations have changed, and also it's become global. I mean, you've seen that. It did, we didn't get our first international recruit, which was Thomas Peters, probably for, what, seven, eight years, nine years into the job? Um, maybe nine, nine or ten, maybe, when I think about it. so. Uh, but now you look at this week on the, at the NCAA championship. I don't know if you went through it and counted the numbers, but every top team had at least two, three, or four international players on their team, kind of following how tennis had gone for a long time. Golf is behind it. But um, it's amazing how global the sport has become and college golf has become.
1: How many guys have you recruited that came here sight unseen, having not seen the university, only talked to you and knew about you? Are there some that uh, the first time they saw the place was when they got here to, to go to school?
8: Yes, there have been a few good ones. And then the, the top recruit coming in this year from Ireland has never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with the advent of social media, they can get on, see pictures and things like that and kind of get a feel for it. But um, there's been players in the past where it's been late in the recruiting process and you have to go on a leap of faith. But I think that's hopefully where our reputation and my reputation as a player for years leading up to coaching and then the connections I have in the golf world, when people get a positive you know, testament or somebody speaking on my behalf that – says he's a trustworthy guy um i think that's a big deal and i think our i think that's helped in our development i think the the, the perception and the reality and their um of illinois golf is very very positive around the around the globe now and it's something that, that always helps
2: uh, as far as the tournament itself are you satisfied with the, the setup with the la- with the eight teams getting
8: in and then match play do you like that whole concept I've been asked that now for I was about ten or twelve years has been going yeah, it's
2: about, on. Yeah, I think two thousand nine, maybe. I'm not
8: sure. I think you're right. Um, it has a lot of benefits, Lauren. It's really helped elevate college golf. It's helped these kids and their image, name, image, and likeness. Ironically, over the years, um, being on national TV has helped them um, jumpstart their professional careers. It's helped coaches in the profession because now alums and fans are seeing the golf programs on TV in a high and a national scene. So, I think there's more. Um, uh, Pressure is too strong a word, but there's more uh, importance to an athletic director to have a good golf program because the alums play it and they see it on TV and then they can familiarize themselves with the coaches. So I think coaches have more of a brand now, um, and I think it's helped the profession in, in salaries and in career development. I think that's been a big part of it. Um, you know, TV has been the huge impetus behind that, and they wouldn't have TV if it wasn't for the match play. You know, TV said, we're only going to do this if it goes match play. So they're, the golf channel, for all intents and purposes, is running our national championship. That's why it was in Arizona. That's why it's out on the West Coast for, for uh, primetime TV. Uh, that's why it's match play. So in order to elevate the sport and elevate um, you know, college golf, you have to give something. So we've given the ability to not, you know, now we can't play all the country in different golf courses, different climates. It's going to be in uh, Scottsdale two more years, and then it's going to be in San Diego for three after that.
2: Uh, you mentioned NIL. Name, image, likeness. When the fall, when your players report this fall, I assume based on what the, uh, the general assembly has done, assuming the governor uh, approves it, uh, you're going to be able. They're going to be able to make money off their, you know, off their likeness, <laughs> off their whatever. Uh, how do you see that developing? <laughs>
8: well, I believe so. I believe you're right, and I have not. Um, I'm not well versed in that yet. We've had meetings, and I've listened. I haven't really digested all what's happening and then with the state law coming down this week I haven't had time to to reflect on it. I'm going to research it and dive into it the next couple of weeks so I can figure it out but I know we have stuff set on the, on the calendar this summer for our team to have Zoom meetings and to update them on how this is all going to affect them um, and how the university, Josh, has done a great job in the department and helping these kids kind of transition into this new era um, which is something that's going to help in recruiting as well but uh, when you get down to the specifics I have ideas, I have thoughts that what might happen um but i don't know enough to comment on it right now i see both sides of it yeah it depends what side of the equation you're on i can see both both sides of it the question that i have is how is it going to survive how is it going to last what's going to what's it can go both ways i believe i, I believe um you know every, both sides of it have have good opinions and time will only tell but it is a free country and 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 you have to have the ability to to do that when you're 18 years old to uh you know, to maybe make a living off your own or to, to, you know, to benefit from your own uh, positive accolades.
2: What you have to worry about, I think, and, and you can't prevent, is the recruiting part of it. Did you go out and recruit somebody saying, well, if you come with me, I'll see that you have, are tied in with this company. That's illegal. You can't do that. Right. But how are you going to stop it?
8: Well, I think the recruiting is a big part of it, a huge part of it. But as a coach, I also see the time demands on a student-athlete. Because right now in our program, there's not a any time left in the day for them to do anything else besides study and train and go about their their you know their search, like we talked about a minute ago, for their for their career and to better themselves. Now you are going to put in a whole another responsibility of managing that and um, following the rules and filing the papers and and, um, and that, you know, being distracted for social media time. They're going to have to do or appearances in town to make a. I think some of these young people and their families may spend too, too much time chasing a few dollars here and there because of the attraction to it, but sacrificing the time for their development and their growth as a student and as an athlete, there's only so much time in a day. And now you've got a whole other entity you're going to put into the equation where student-athlete schedules are so booked right now. As a coach, I think something's got to give. So, you know, the, the, the recruiting is a big deal. But the day-to-day time management, time demands is going to be out of this world.
2: Tell us about your own schedule for playing this summer.
8: I'm just now thinking about that this week, and uh, this has probably been the longest that I've gone without playing something competitive, but also without thinking about it. I haven't prepared or planned anything. I have a tournament next week. Um, Steve Stricker uh, is the host for that Champions Tour event up in Wisconsin, and he invites me every year, which is great. Um, I appreciate that. That's a benefit of our relationship. But I know in 2018, I I top-tended there along with top tening in in Iowa at a Champions Tour event, which kept me getting into all those events, and then I made the playoffs, in five or six events. So if I can go up there this year and play well again, then my season opens up. But that's about the only opportunity I have. You know, the, the National Club Pro, the professional national championship, the one I've won three times in the past, has got me in all those tour events, PGA tour events. They used to be in June. That was always a big deal for me because if I played well in that, it would open up a whole array of events again, the PGA and everything else this summer. Well, that's in April now. I haven't played that in three years because of it conflicts with our schedule, the Big Ten Championship. So that, the PGA Championship, and then the Senior PGA, which is one of the majors on the Champions Tour, which I've been exempt for every year since I turned 50, I haven't been able to play in that either because it's, it was last week during the NCAA Finals. So as I've gotten older and the and schedules have changed, um, things have conflicted, but it's still, it's still the same way, Lauren. If I play well this summer, more opportunities will come out. If I don't play well, I'll play four or five events locally in the state, and and in uh, August will be here and I'll go back to coaching again. But um, I got a lot of recruiting to do. You know, the recruiting calendar just opened up this yesterday, today, or this this week, yeah. and um, it's something that uh, we got to get back out and chase that because you know we're you know hadn't been able to get out in the last year and a half.
1: You're going to play in a senior U.S. Open qualifier in Omaha on Monday. Where is the senior U.S. Open?
8: The senior U.S. Open is actually, ironically, in Omaha. Is it at a different golf course? But this is the only site that I could choose. They had probably 20 or 25 sites to choose. To qualify for one of the majors on the on this Champions Tour, Um, I've played in it twice in the past. I played in Columbus, Ohio, and I played out in um, in Boston Um, for two of them. They're they're an awesome event. The purse is almost is the biggest purse times three of any Champions Tour event. So qualifying for is a big deal, but it's happened so quick after the season, and I couldn't obviously qualify at any other spots because of the conflict. So I got two or three days to get my game ready here, figure (laughs) this thing out, and I'm gonna go wing it, and then uh, and then go on to Steve's event, and then reevaluate after that.
1: You've always kind of amazed me with the way you balance your schedule from coaching to recruiting to playing. Another guy doing something similar is Steve Stricker, who's playing on both tours some and is getting ready for the Ryder Cup. Uh, I'm sure you've had some conversations with him.
8: I have. We've texted each other, and he's very, very busy. But hes I, I kid with him. He's playing more golf now than he did when he was in his prime. Right. He wasn't really a big a big player that played 25, 30 events. He just kind of took his time and played and, and played well. But now... You know the kids are up and grown, and we're both empty nesters, so to speak. So it's 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 he has more time to do it. Um, he wants to he wants to win the Ryder Cup. So the more events he plays on the PGA Tour, he's around those players more often, so he can kind of help them because he has more picks this year for the Ryder Cup than any captain in history. They changed those rules for him, so he's got to be on point to figure out who he wants on his team. And the more he's around those guys, the better he can make a choice. And then obviously the Champions Tour. I mean, he's a competitor. He loves the game of golf and he wants to win. It's a lot more fun to win um events maybe you know on a smaller tour than it would be to finish 20th on something bigger so it's always fun to win anything you do you know that so uh he's playing a lot out there winning and getting that getting you know getting, feel, feeling that sensation and then he's uh but he's still going out and trying to find his team for the Ryder Cup.
1: I wonder what he thinks about Phil Mickelson.
8: Yeah that's amazing um I played with only Phil once in my life and um he hit it long then, but not as long as he's hitting it now. And it's amazing the work he's putting in or what he's doing with his body to be able to hit it like that at 50 years old. But then to, his emotions and his nerves, and see the way he was breathing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's exploring all new, all new things, and he keeps growing as a player. And um, I mean, he's second best player of, of, of this generation. I mean, Tigers stood out and ran away with it, but... Man, Phil's feels, uh, feels very impressive. That was that was a lot of that was inspiring to watch. I thought. That's
1: Mike Small. We always appreciate talking golf with you, and thank you for taking time for us. Thank you, guys, always. Ten thirty, WDWS, Champaign Urbana. More Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is up next. It's moving up on ten thirty two. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, WDWS, Champaign Urbana, with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We've been. Uh, Chatting with you since 9 o'clock. We're heading towards 11 o'clock this morning. Glad you're with us. Phone line open, 217-356-9397. I'd like to welcome to the program uh, J.A. Adande, who is the uh, director of the Northwestern School of Journalism at his alma mater. Good morning, J.A. How are you?
9: Good morning. How are you guys?
1: We're doing well. Wanted to talk to you a little bit. Uh, A lot of folks that... uh, have followed your writing and followed your time on uh, ESPN uh, with uh, Around the Horn a little bit. Uh, remember you from those assignments. Now you're back at your alma mater. Talk, talk a little bit about, uh, I guess it's kind of a career change for you, uh, how the, that came about and how things are going for you.
9: Yeah, well, what most people don't know is that it all started, my first assignment was driving the Champagne two or three times a week and covering the Illini and, of course, uh, learning at the feet of, of Lawrence Tate.
2: Look out um, now. So it,
9: <laughs> <laughs> one of many that, that, that he guided and pro- provided uh, a great example of, of how to do it. Um, and uh, so I, I came back to Chicago, came back to Midwest. One of the reasons I decided to come back was that you know, I sat and realized one of the best decisions in my life, maybe the best decision in my life, was leaving LA to come to Chicago to go Northwestern in the first place. So I said, you know, let's see if I can uh, duplicate it and uh, good things have happened when I made that move before. And so five years ago, I said, let me try to make that move again and and head back to to the Midwest for a little bit.
2: Well, let's talk about some of the things that have taken place since you got out of uh, writing uh, for a newspaper. Uh, First of all, the transfer portal is what what we have now is virtual free agency did you see this coming did you have any idea that this it would be so i mean um, that players would have so much freedom
9: you know i I'd, I'd say it all goes back though to those times when 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 i was covering the line i back then it wasn't necessarily a big deal in champagne but if you think about it that was the time of the fab 5 mm-hmm. and, and um in Michigan, and they were really instrumental in bringing sort of athletes' rights and empowerment and asking, What are we doing here? And, and is the system completely uh, unfavorable to athletes? And should they be um, getting a share of this money? Uh, should they be having more control over uh, So, Chris Weber left after his sophomore year. You didn't have the, the one and done so much back then, but uh, you had star players increasingly leaving early. Right. And so a generation earlier, you'd at least get three years out of a Michael Jordan
6: mm-hmm. in
9: North Carolina. And by the time the Fab Fives coming along in, in the early 90s, it's it was it was a little bit of a surprise that Chris Webber even came back for his second year. And, and once he did then then, OK, it's full speed ahead for that group. But now it was two or maybe even one year for, for college players. So it really all goes back to then. Um, it just feels like it's, it's accelerated in the last few years. Right. And now we really do we're, we're, name image likeness is on the way within the next couple of years and seeing this, this ability to transfer you know basically within conference without paying a penalty uh but it makes sense. it's the natural evolution of of where things have
2: been headed. do you teach this in your sports journalism classes
9: um we talk about uh I think certainly being aware of, of the issues and, and fairness, it, it comes down to fairness, right? We've we've seen, okay, coaches have the ability to just switch schools and or leave and go coach in the professional ranks. Um, why has it been so restricted for players? And, and why, again, as the money has just exploded and we look at the, the TV contracts for the NCAA tournament, for example, uh, as there's been so much money out there, um, are the, the, should the, the product itself, the, the athletes, the, the competitors, the, the ones who are, are putting in the work and, and assuming all of the risk, right? Because every time they're, they're stepping on the court or the field, uh, they could suffer a career-ending injury. So are they being fairly compensated for for this? Um, and and the, I'd say the 90s was really when the money started taking off as well and the TV contracts started becoming these, these huge, huge factors.
2: Well, we had... Uh... We had Chapin Rose on here, state senator, uh, who was with the legislation that just passed the uh, the general assembly, just passed the NIL, the the name, image, and likeness uh, rule and uh, law, rather, and now it's going before the governor. This we could see this uh, by this fall. I mean, we we could actually be. I think we, I, I think we expect to see this take place this fall. So we're we're not years away. Uh, Jay, we're, this is right on top of us, it looks like.
9: Yeah, it, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Um, you know, and, and I think it has to. If you look at the pressure being applied to college sports from so many other areas, um, in the NBA really trying to, to build up the G League as, as a viable mm-hmm. alternative to going to college for, for top basketball players. So, what is the NCAA? And and these major conferences, what are they going to do to to compete? Um, the the monopoly that they had for young people, eighteen to twenty one, athletes uh, wanting to compete in, in a visible stage in the United States is is quickly being eroded. So it, to me, it's a matter of if the NCAA is going to and and college sports are going to be able to compete in this landscape, they're going to have to adjust.
1: What problems do you see? in the uh, nil how, how will it be administered do you think
9: um to, to me the challenge is is when you have um conflicts and and i i think there's going to be a lot of legislation in that regard uh you know if if uh if a company is is paying a substantial amount to, to sponsor that school's athletics or its teams uh do you want the individual members of those teams endorsing rival companies? No. And how do you make that fit? So, yeah, to, to, to me that that that's the big challenge, and and that because now you're going to start to discourage. Okay, I'm I'm spending money to, to have uh you know my logo on a sign, but meanwhile the star player that everyone wants to see, he's out there endorsing my competitor. Uh, what's in this for me? And. I really think that that's where the that's where the conflict could arise. That 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 could be the biggest issue.
2: Well, it looks to me like we're in a, in a whole new um, world here. Uh, I guess I'm going to switch around. Uh, I, I, you were on with uh, Colin Coward this week, and I did happen to see that, and I was interested in in your uh, your take on uh, Naomi Oseka and the mental health pro- uh, concerns that you have there, and the fact that you know that. Uh, She's actually been fined because she wouldn't come on with the uh, with the media, but maybe that would be uh, maybe that 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 will be seen in a different light from this point on, won't
9: it? I think so. And the fine wasn't the issue so much, and she said she was fully prepared to pay the fines, and mm-hmm. that wasn't an issue. And fifteen thousand dollars isn't that much of a concern for someone who made an estimated $55 million in endorsements last year.
2: Is that what um, she made? Oh, boy.
9: show you the, the, the money that's out there. Yeah, she, she's the highest-paid female athlete um, that we've ever seen. Is that and right? So, um, yeah. Um, so so they realized that, okay, we're not going to be able to threaten her with fines. And they decided that, all right, well, we're going to get together with the, uh, with the organizers of the other major tournaments, the other Grand Slam events, and we're going to threaten you with uh, – <laughs> with expulsion for the tournament if if you don't participate in the post-game media. And really it's not about her. I think it's about what she could launch And that if, if they can't force her to, to attend these press conferences, then all the other players on the tour are going to say, well, I'm not going to do it either. If she doesn't have to do it, why do I have to do it?
2: Well, you uh, know, uh, so when you start could- talking about press conferences, I just wonder how valuable they are anyway, all the time. I mean, if you really want to write a, a story about somebody, and you're allowed one or two questions at a press conference, you can't get your job done. You have to get to the individual uh, personally, and I, and besides, in most press conferences, I know what they're going to say before they say it. I mean, is that? I mean, didn't you find it that way when you were when you were working in the newspaper business?
9: The press press conference was an unhappy compromise for everyone. Right? Yeah, it's. Uh, but but if it's the NBA Finals, for example, and and have yep. got two hundred media members there, uh, we all want to talk to LeBron. <laughs> he can't line up and and you know sit down with us one by one and and each have us have ask a series of questions to him. So uh, it, it's and there's, there's been a lot of debate about that, Lauren, about the value of press conferences. It, it's better than nothing. Some access is better than nothing. Right. And we've seen a tremendous amount come from press conferences just in this last few weeks alone, everyone from Kyrie Irving to uh, LeBron. I mean, it's, it's all we've had. So given the absence of, of other means uh, of, of getting to ask questions and that's the important thing is is that you you say, well, the athletes have got social media now they can speak to their fans, but can they take, where else are they going to face sometimes critical questions And, and critical in that, they have a right to, coaches you know, should have their strategies questioned. Players should have their behavior called in the check or, or, or at the very least be asked uh, the, the, the motivation or the decisions behind what they did, um, the mentality. So I, I still think and I would fight for the, the right to maintain some type of access, some type of ability for the journalist to be able to ask questions. I would say that's, that's the best part of our job and the most important part of our job is asking questions. And if a press conference is the only format that we have to ask questions, then so be it. But well, can, I, I would, can you require I'd that
2: person to them. come? Can you, what requirement would you have that would force a person to come on if they don't want to come on?
9: So what I would say is that, and especially since it's being reframed as a, as a mental health issue, so I would say that you can have sick days, so to speak, press conference sick days, where if you really okay. don't feel up to it. Um, you know, so got, you know, I don't know your job, you have 14 sick days, you know, whatever, whatever the amount, the allotment of sick days you're allowed to take for a year. I think we should grant those to the athletes. I think there's a compromise. And I think I I would say not being able to talk to someone after every game or every match, um, would be better than never being able to talk to them. So there's compromises, put this like press conferences are compromised from the get go. So I don't see why we couldn't further compromise and say, "All right, you don't always have to go to the press conference. Um, we can pick and choose your sponsor. There are some days, um, but just know that you can't always get out of doing press conferences either. Right? There, there's a way that we can do it. And and I, I go back to I mean, I call him show. Michael Jordan did, never did the All Star Weekend press conference, press availability, which was a part he would get fined for that. Remember? And you saw it in the Last Dance, Michael Jordan went about two weeks in the middle of the playoffs without talking to the media because he was upset about something to be written. And he came back, and in the finals, he talked to the media again. And, and guess what? Everyone survived <laughs> on both sides.
1: Another couple of minutes with J.A. Adonde from the Northwestern School of Journalism, the director of that school there. And you covered both LeBron and Michael Jordan. You're the perfect guy to ask. <laughs> Who was better?
6: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> never uh, had that I, one I I, I
9: I still go with michael and it's um to me it's the, the fact that he never lost in the finals he never scored less than 20 points in the finals game uh he won uh, god i'm getting i'm getting old he's either 25 out of his last 26 playoff series or 26 out of his last 27 playoff series. I mean, that, that's a remarkable run. Every time he showed up to training camp in the 1990s, he won a championship that season. Um, you know, LeBron had just ended a remarkable run. He won 31 out of 36 playoff series. And that's not 25 out of 26, uh, or whatever the number was for Michael, but 31 out of 36 playoff series is astounding. So we need to take the time and, and just recognize that, the fact that basically for a decade... He decided that, she, you know, he had a say in the championship. He either won it or you had to beat him in the finals to win it.
2: Okay, uh, but but th- this is a team event, and it does matter who's on your team. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I could almost say that LeBron didn't have any. I'm, I'm not taking sides on this, but, but LeBron didn't have anybody on his side once Davis was down uh, last week, this past week. Whereas if you look at Michael, once he got once he got it organized, he was surrounded by really good players. I mean, there's more more than just him, and it always bothers me that we uh, cite um, a team uh, accomplishment in a sport that's got more than one, you know, a lot more than just one player. I mean, it it, you know, you see where I'm getting at?
9: Yeah, and, and Michael himself. Uh, made that argument in with an interview he did with the Mother Shot. So um, th- there's a lot to be said for that, and I certainly see your point there. Um, I would say th- the thing is though that that in basketball an individual can have such an impact. If, if you watch the the Mavs um, game last night, where oh, yeah. Kawhi Leonard just took over uh, for the Clippers, crazy, and, and yeah. won that game. And you know, I, I mean, I, I love the fact that. Basketball has both, that it's a team sport, uh, but at the end of the game, sometimes it's just mano a mano, and, and let, let's see, can you stop me? You ain't <laughs> can kidding. I score against you?
2: And, Did and, you ever think that you'd um, see players this good in, in the NBA that, that can just stand out there and shoot three-pointers all night long and make them?
9: and and so many of them and That's right. think about the fact that we didn't have Steph Curry this, you know, he didn't make the playoffs, LeBron is gone now, and yet there's still so many players I want to watch. I can't wait to watch this Game 7 with Luka Doncic and Kawhi Leonard. I can't wait to see uh Giannis Antetokounmpo against Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. There's three MVPs playing in that series in the the Bucks and the Nets series. Um I'm sad that Dame L- Dame Lillard is going on, but we still have this year's likely MVP in in, in um Nikola Jokic playing, uh, Donovan Mitchell. There's an amazing level of talent to a degree that I've never seen in the league. When you think yeah. about the players who have been eliminated so far and the and the talented players, the amazing players still left, uh, I've never seen the NBA in such a, a state of deep uh, reserves of, of talented star players.
1: Let's we'll squeeze in a call for J.A. in Allen, you're on the air. Go ahead. What's your question?
9: Hi. thanks. Taking my call.
10: Um, so, your position is as, as an educator, and what I find in listening to sports reporters is that almost exclusively uh, there are exceptions, their political points of view creep into their sports analysis and sports reporting to the point where it makes it, for me, unwatchable, unwatchable or unlistening. It, is my observation unjust or is there
6: a challenge there?
9: I don't think it's a challenge. I think it's, uh, sports don't exist in a vacuum and, um, you know, you never hear complaints when there is say, uh, uh, uh breast cancer awareness. Month. Uh, you know, my, my mother passed away from breast cancer 21 years ago this month and maybe I wouldn't. Uh, you know, I'd prefer to be able to watch the game and, and not be reminded of that. But guess what? The, the, we don't exist in, in a vacuum. Um, this is the real world. And, and um, they're trying to raise awareness so that other people's mothers won't pass away from breast cancer. I mean, maybe if we take this opportunity while we've got hundreds of thousands or millions of people watching this game to raise awareness of this issue, um, maybe we can improve it. And, and, and maybe this is, this is a disease that we can eradicate. So, and, and also a lot of things that get labeled politics. Cancer. Well, uh, we're, we're, you're talking about non-sports and, and, and yeah, is why, it political. Why do I have, you're, you're have political point of
10: view given to me in a sporting, sporting event that I'm watching?
9: Is, is human life politics? What's that? Is 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 sports equality is, politics?
10: the easy? one. Sports is the one place I go to to get away from it all. That, that I, in
9: the past, used to feel that it, it was an escape from all of that. It's no longer that. Okay, is, is, is no, it's my mother's death, cancer. do everybody I maybe want supports, to escape from that? It's, it's real everybody
10: life. Supports, everybody supports breast
9: cancer.
1: Hey, Helen, yeah, let, let him, let him respond to your equality.
9: point. Do you, do, you, do you support equality for people? No, no. Doesn't, don't, don't you believe that everyone should have equal rights?
1: uh, he's not with us at the moment. He hung up. So uh, good stuff, Jay Dande. Always uh, good to visit with you, and uh, I think it's the first time on on our program. We'd like to do it again at some point, uh, if you would be up for it down the road. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
2: Hey, Jay, thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate it. Thanks. Great to talk to you guys. Thank you.
1: Yep. Ten fifty. One, we'll take a break and be back with some final words. We'll have the phone line open after the break as well. Stay with us here on DWS. Mm-hmm. 10.55, five minutes left on this edition of I Pella Saturday Sports Talk, our first June show. We're off and running for the summer now with things uh, starting to open back up. Baseball going full capacity here before too long and games, uh, Yesterday and last night, the Reds beat the Cardinals six to four. The Giants over the Cubs, eight to six. The White Sox beat the Tigers, nine to eight. And let's go to Pinehurst, North Carolina, where Marty is on the line with us to tell us how he's going to fix the St. Louis Cardinals.
6: <laughs> oh,
11: boy, uh, that's going to take a lot of wheeling and dealing. I'm afraid to fix the Cardinals because uh, you got three starting pitchers down. You got. Your center fielder down, et cetera. It, the bullpen's walking too many people, and they're hitting more batters than I've seen in a lifetime. So, other than that, they got no problem. And and Arenado's not hitting, and Goldschmidt hasn't really warmed up, although he usually doesn't start hitting until the middle of June. So, but other than that, they got no problems, Steve. Don't okay, that's
1: about. not why you called. So, uh, tell no, us why you called. Isn't.
11: Um, I'm a your last guest, and the last question he got. Um, disturbed me that the head of a journalism school would answer a question in that manner when there's a very serious question there about journalism in general, not just sports journalism, allowing their personal views to intercede and taint stories to slant them certain directions. That was the basis of the question the gentleman was asking. And to go into a breast cancer analysis... Um, I understand his mother died, and that's all great. But that you need to get him on again and have a more serious dive into that. Maybe it's better for a, a different than a sports talk show. But that's disturbing to me. That I, that's what worries me about journalism in general. Because I never saw, I never saw that years ago when Lauren was in his heyday writing articles, when other people were writing articles. I didn't feel like their personal views were so seeping into what they were. Discuss. Well,
2: I, I think that all of us that cover, uh, uh, that are not national writers and we cover a particular school, uh, there's no way to keep your personal feelings out of it. I mean, there's no question if you give yeah. and say, Lauren, would you rather Illinois win or lose? I'd rather they win. <laughs> That's I'm, no,
11: not, I, no, I'm I, not worried about the personal. I'm talking about political personal
2: well, feelings entering it. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I think that this, I think the caller was headed for the kneeling thing don't you think I mean that I think that's what I think that's where he was going I don't know that my I don't see where didn't get well dive in
11: far enough to find out
2: yeah maybe not I I I don't know but I as far as your political views in in, imposing on sports I don't see that anywhere I don't see where writers are letting their democratic or republican feelings into stories about I would events. Hope not sports. Now, I, I don't. I don't think that's true. I Maybe I may I'm missing something.
11: Yeah, no, I'm not going as much towards sports as I'm. I want to talk to him as, at a journalism school head, about in general, about people writing, giving details on articles, depending on whether they favor their political point of view or not, in journalism and media in general. I'm not as worried about it in sports as maybe the caller was. But
1: anyway. Okay, Marty, uh, that uh, music means we're out of time. will
11: cardinal problems first, because that'll be an easier one to solve. All right. <laughs> oh, boy.
1: Appreciate your call. Thank you very much. That's going to take care of uh, the show. Thanks to our guests for um, on the show, Mike Kuhn, Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com, Chapin Rose, Illinois State Senator, Mike Small, and uh, J.A. Adande from the Northwestern School of Music. Thanks to Dave Leek, our producer on the show, Mr. Tate. Have a good weekend, and you as well. On WDWS, Champaign Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. We'll talk to you again coming up on Monday for Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. Have a good one.